time again for Doc Jacques, your addiction lifeguard podcast. I am Dr. Jacques DeBrucher, a psychologist, licensed professional counselor, and addiction specialist. If you are suffering from addiction, misery, trauma, whatever it is, I'm here to help. If you're in search of help to try to get your life back together, join me here at Doc Jacques, your addiction lifeguard, the addiction recovery podcast. to be real clear about what this podcast is intended for. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes, but not considered help. If you actually need real help and you're in need of help, please seek that out. If you're in dire need of help, you can go to your nearest emergency room or you can check into a rehab center or call a counselor like me and talk about your problems and work through them. But don't rely on a podcast to be that form of help. It's not. It's just a podcast. It's for entertainment and information only. So let's keep it in that light, all right? Have a good time, learn something, and then get the real help that you need from a professional. Today, I am going to talk to you about step five. As we make our way through the step process, I realized I hadn't uh, gone any further than step four. So here we go with step five. You know, step four and five, honestly, that's where most of the work actually occurs in the 12 steps. The real hard work anyway. For um, those of you going through the steps, this is these are the tough ones. Usually when people are in um, step four, they are jumping out. If they're going to jump out of recovery, that's where they jump out is in step four. Um, step five is a, a kind of a natural follow along for that jumping out process. So let's just be real clear about kind of what's going on at this point in your recovery. You've accepted that there's a higher power that you have to rely on and you've kind of started to really understand turning yourself over to that higher power. And in this case, um, in that moment when you're working on things in the recovery process, your higher power, I guess at that point, is who you're reporting to, and that would be your sponsor, right? Although we know that God is the higher power, but I kind of look at it like God's working through that sponsor to help you help yourself, even though you don't really want the help still, maybe. I don't know. Maybe at this point you're starting to get it, but... In any case, so you've done the work in step four, and you've really put together like that list of those character defects, that fearless searching moral inventory of your character defects, and you've really, really worked on it, you know, with your sponsor, and you've written it all down, and, and by the way, you cannot do this by yourself, please, understand the 12 steps, it, it, the whole purpose of it is to be able to work on these things with another person, because if you were capable of actually doing this on your own, you would have done it a long time ago. And you didn't. So just please try not working these steps by yourself. Please get some help with a sponsor. Okay, so uh, anyway, so now you've done that fearless searching moral inventory and you've written it all down. And you, okay, so you realize the stuff that you've done and the, the horrible beast that you turned into uh, over time and these shameful acts and horrible things. And you've written it all down. But now the real work kind of begins because. When you uh, do that, that's one thing. But admitting it 
is a whole nother thing. And that's where it really gets difficult for people because they don't necessarily want to admit the things, right? To make them real. And making them real is just, it, it's a tough thing. Um, saying something, admitting it, is making it real, making it real in your mind, in your, in your heart. So the admission part of it is where you are um, really starting to to uh, open up and be honest, right? And honesty, when, when honesty is striking you, that's when you start to get really clean and sober. So for those of you who uh, don't know what step five is, you admit your mistakes and begin to understand the nature of those mistakes um, and, and finding that out. But what you're doing is you are admitting to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs admitting to god to ourselves and to another human being the exact a, a human being the exact nature of our wrongs so if you're admitting to yourself and you're saying it to yourself you're really kind of saying it in that echo chamber of your head and that's the one that's betraying you anyway so that doesn't really make it real and if you say it to another person what's really interesting like in the christian faith I'm going to bear witness to your pain. What you're doing is you're acting as on God's behalf to kind of help the person understand that I, you know, I'm here and I'm listening to you, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bear witness to that. I'm gonna be your witness here in the natural for you, so that you can make this real for you. And I, you know, those of you who have a tough time with the invisible man in the room concept of God and all that, uh, you know what? You can also rely on the other person to be there so you can feel felt, okay? If that's how you want to work it, then do that. Um, but, but you must admit these wrongs, and you must admit them out loud, and you must say them out loud because it makes them real, as I've said a number of times already. So the, the, the exercise is really one to provide emotional, mental, spiritual relief, of the burden, right? Because you've got to get to the point where you're moving towards forgiveness and you can't forgive what you can't admit and you can't acknowledge was wrong. That's really, it makes it impossible. So when you're asking for uh, these things to be lifted from you, as a, you know, moving on to six, seven, and eight, and nine in the step process. So it, it's it's trying to figure out a way to to change in a spiritual way that existence that you had that drew you into this horrible life that you have been living. And trust me, the the amount of shame and the amount of embarrassment and everything that goes on in your own head is, is bad enough. But then you heap on top of that all the stigmatizing and shaming that goes on with people that looking look at you as an addict and, and shame you for your addiction. So now now you're being stigmatized in that way too. So it's internal and external. So you get this intrinsic and extrinsic experience of, of spiritual beatings going on. So if you can admit your mistakes, you can begin to change yourself. And that's part of it, right? You've got to change yourself. Changing yourself is really how this works. I want to not be the person that I am. And I know this con contradicts what I said in the last podcast about need and want, but I want to be a different person and I don't know how I'm filled with remorse and regret and shame and embarrassment about all the things that I've done, whether it's stealing or lying or manipulating 
or prostituting yourself and, and sexual misdeeds and whatever else has been going on in your life that got you what you needed as your, you know, your drugs of choice, whatever it is, you know, you can be forgiven, but you have to be open to receive forgiveness. And you can't do that if you can't be honest about what you're doing. So uh, in step five, you really start that spiritual awakening, which is, you know, you've been beaten down with drugs and alcohol and feeling horrible. So admitting the problems um, is a huge issue. So step five really is about preparation for the rest of the steps because four is setting the groundwork and the framework for understanding the reality of what's been going on. But step five is the stepping stone. I, I look at that as like the stepping stone to the other steps. Because if you admit your, your mistakes and you admit your wrongdoings and you admit your character defects and your flaws, but but you're, you're putting those together, but you don't admit them, you really can't move on to the next step. So it is the stepping stones, the stepping stone to the next progression of steps. Um, so with that, that higher power, the experience of that higher power, this is really where it comes into place. It is very difficult if you don't have a higher power. And that struggle is one that you're probably having. Like, I don't want to be uh, surrendering to a higher power. I am my own higher power. Because that's really the only way you can maintain your addiction, is if you become your own higher power. I jokingly tell people that come at me with the, um, I, the, the independent, right? The, the, uh, the person who suffers from addiction who comes in a strictly independent thinking, I, self-reliant. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to forgive. Who's going to forgive you? Oh, you're going to forgive yourself. And that's it? Like you have nowhere else to go with that? So you're both the perpetrator and the victim at the same time. You're committing the crimes and you're the victim of those crimes. So then you're going to become the judge and the jury and and then the, I guess the probation or parole officer for yourself. And then somehow you're going to go from accusing yourself to not accusing yourself so for me i jokingly say you're becoming your own jesus you're going to look for your own salvation within yourself by yourself from yourself how does that work how, how do you i i don't <laughs> i don't know how you become your own jesus you can't so the other person that comes at me is a person who just refuses to accept that there's a higher power just refuses it now the first person who's becoming their own jesus they 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 will acknowledge that there is a higher power, but they just don't want to turn themselves over to it. The other person who just says there is no higher power, or the higher power is some, I don't know, it's some fairies that live in a forest or whatever, and it's like, okay, so you're going to seek forgiveness from what? The trees? You know? Uh, and the idea of, like, people who, these people who are extreme environmentalist types who, you know, think Mother Nature is the, is the higher being of everything, and so... Uh, they're going to, what, I don't know, get, look for forgiveness from the trees and the grass and the fish? Uh, it, it's confusing to me. I don't know how that works. Um, so let me tell you, brothers and sisters, really it's, it's being feeling a sense of relief and that spiritual change within yourself. Now, every, now I'm not, you know, not going to try to prescribe some religious faith to you that you don't want to accept if you're whatever religious beliefs are, but spiritually you're broken and you know it. I, you know, you know, you know it. So that step five is that step towards releasing of that spiritual uh, bondage that you have. 
So how does that work? How do you do that? Well, I've seen where it says like, well, how long does this, to, how long does the uh, fifth step take? And, and it, you know, I've, I've heard anywhere from like 10 minutes to two hours to, you know, but listen, I don't know that you can put a time frame on the fifth step because you, you're admitting to yourself and it is a, it is work, right? So you're working towards this thing. How long does it take till you're done? How about that? Till you're finished. Be honest. I mean, how long does it take you to really go from being an absolute lying, deceptive person to being an honest person? Well, start telling the truth. Okay, job done. But you're going to go back to your lying ways. You're getting your sneaky on all the time. So how long does it take to start to really understand that you have to be fully honest? Um, that's the surrendering process, right? So step five, you're really giving up some power to regain some new power. And so letting go of that control, that power that addiction gave you, which is very destructive, to move towards something that is powerful. You have to really be powerless to become powerful. So am I being contradictory and, and, and this is just hyperbole? No, it's not. There is an awakening. Like, I cannot control this. I cannot control myself. So I'm going to admit that and then I'm going to make a change. And I'm going to prove to myself that I can do this. And so the proof is in the action. And so when you're admitting it, you're admitting that you are these things and you're going to put them down. Now you have to move forward. So you're the stepping stone to the next place, which is I'm going to put these things down and I'm going to stop being a liar. Now for the next hour, 10 hours, 24 hours, week, month, I'm going to practice this. And it's the practicing part that's that's part of it and learning to be able to release it. Um, so in step five, you're going to admit it and being and admitting it means saying it, saying it out loud, letting yourself be feeling felt. And if the person you're saying it to, your sponsor, you're saying it out loud, you're reading through this list of, of horrible things. You know what they're doing is they're receiving that information and they're giving, you know, it's an approval thing. They, it's like I'm accepting you. I'm accepting you in your flaws. I'm accepting you in your, in, in your failings because I too, as a sponsor, I too have lived that same life and I've done those things. And what's really interesting is what I have experienced with, um, uh, watching people go through this when they have done these horrible things, stealing tens of thousands of dollars from, from an individual or various people, prostitution, that's a tough one for women prostitution and prostituting themselves to get drugs. Um, I accept you. I accept that. I accept that you have become that. I accept that this, you are trying to change. I accept that. That's a, woof, that's a powerful thing, right? So what I witness with, uh, people going through this is when they feel that acceptance, that blind, unconditional acceptance that unconditional personal positive regard for for you in your failings it changes them i i have people in uh, that sit across from me that will tell me things and they will tell me and i can see they're so upset they're so sad they're so uh angry about what they're saying about themselves and I don't react to it as a therapist. I just sit and I don't react. I don't, I don't look at them with pity or shame or disgust. I, I, I do it with acceptance. 
and I listen to them and I, and I ask them to give me more details. It's kind of like I'm going through a step five with them, right? Because they're, they're willing to talk about it. So I'll sit and listen to them and I'll try to draw them out even more. <clears throat> and maybe I'll even challenge some of what they're saying because I know they're soft peddling it because I've known enough of their story where they're telling me and I know there's a, it's a lot worse than they're actually saying. And I try to get them to say it. And I, and I don't react. I, I just pause. I, I look at them with acceptance and love and, and re- positive regard. As a human being, you're telling me that you did these things. Wow. And what, uh, what happens is I tell them that they've already been forgiven. And they're all, with, without fail, I, I promise you, without fail, they're silent. And the silence says a lot. They've never heard the words forgiveness spoken by another person. And all I'm doing is bearing witness to their confession and bearing witness to their pain. But the words, you, you are, you're already forgiven. You just don't recognize it. You don't accept it. And they don't respond because they don't know what to say because the words actually mean something to them at that moment. You've already been forgiven. Now, as a Christian, you know, it's because he died on the cross, right? For us. So I'm, I'm looking at them from that perspective. Like, you've already been forgiven for this. And it's, it's, a, it's a strange moment for them. It's a, it's a really, it's an interesting and strange moment for them because they, the realization that they can let these things go. They, there's a possibility that they could let them go. They think that they cannot let it go. They think that the whole purpose of, of recovery is to forget these things. And that's not what it is. It's be honest about these things. Be open. And that's what step five is about. It's about pure, unadulterated, complete, absolute honesty in, in what you ex- have experienced, what you've done. You know, when, when somebody gets sentenced to uh, prison and they go before the parole board, and they've been in, in prison for, I know they're doing a five-year stretch and they're going to do two years, but they can do an, a parole, if, you know, and get out in, in six months if they, um, or after a year and a half if they're in good behavior or whatever, and they go before the parole board. What does the parole board look for? Sincerity in change and believability in the acceptance of what they have done because they want the person to leave and not ever come back. They don't like you being in prison. They don't want you in prison. But they also don't want you going out and committing crimes, right? So they're looking for, as much as humanly possible, these two or three, well, it's usually three, four, or five people on the parole board listening to somebody, and they want to see that sincerity and change. They want believability. And all they're doing, it's really interesting, all they're doing is listening to the person sit there and explain themselves and their understanding of the failures of their own deeds right it's human perception and bearing witness to somebody being changed and they also look at like their prison record and what have they been doing with themselves have they been fighting in prison have they been causing problems have they tried to actually reform have they done something to show that they're actually wanting to be a contributing member of society and so on so they're looking for something to be real change and it's really it's fascinating that there can be a reliance on um uh, the experience of of the person and um, what what they actually are um, going to do once they get out. 
It's kind of a step five, really. That's kind of what it is. So what do you do for yourself to let it go? You admit and you honestly admit. And I've had people tell me that their step five was um, very emotional, very upsetting. There was a lot of crying. I've had people tell me that they felt like uh, relief after they got through with it. That, that it felt like 50 pounds had been lifted off their shoulders or 500 pounds or 5,000 pounds. I've heard that. And um, that makes a big difference when you are experiencing radical change in your life. And so beginning of the, um, the change really in the 12 step process is I believe step five, you know, you did really hard work in step four, searching moral inventory, character defects, and then honestly and openly saying them in the presence of another person and God, the nature, the extent of those character defects. So do not be afraid of step five, but know that that is a, um, a very important step. You're, and, and at the end of that step, you are not doing that step and the whole 12-step process to forget what you did. You will never forget. Time will dilute the memory. You know, I'm old enough to have more years, way more years behind me than in, in front of me. So I know that the things that I've done tend to get diluted. Uh, you know, they do, but they, I'll never forget I'll never forget my mistakes. That's what's really interesting is the remorse you feel for the mistakes you made. Um, <laughs> that, like the good times, it's like we don't remember the good times. We just remember the bad ones and the things that we did, which is a shame because uh, we should remember them both equally, but we don't. Uh, and I know that. But um, being able to forgive yourself for those things because you do want to live a better life moving forward, don't you? And the only way you can do that is if you forgive yourself and accept forgiveness from others for doing those things. Now, that stepping stone, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, big, it's a big stepping stone, right? Because halfway, it's almost halfway in the 12 steps, but step one is admitting you know, that, that your life's unmanageable, and step 12 is going out and helping others. So there's really only 10 steps between. So the action steps for me, uh, I see it as like the action steps. Step five is right there in the middle. So that's that's an important one. And it's not one that should be taken lightly. Um, and it's confusing as to what it is. Especially for men. Because uh, they like to engage in action. Right? And, and as soon as you get to step five, that's your last real kind of action step. Until you get to step nine. But don't fail with it. Don't give up. Don't Don't surrender. And, and throw up your arms and go, I, I surrender, I'm going to go back to addiction. Don't do that. Engage in step five. And know that it takes only a moment for you to actually realize that what you're doing is being honest and having that conversation with your higher power and that things can be changed and that change is revealed to you at that moment in step five. You can be healed and you can be forgiven if you're willing to surrender and accept unconditional love. And for people who have been rejected by their families, their loved ones, their parents, that's a very difficult thing to, to accept, a form of a higher power that can do that. 
I always look at honesty as being peaceful and lying is tension filled and stressful and difficult. So if you want to live a peaceful life, be honest. It's a much easier path. Just remember, uh, you got here by lie, 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 lie. It was just lying. And now you're going to be honest, honest, honest. And that's a, that's a 180 change, not a 20 degree or 40 degree or 45 or 90 degree change. It's 180 degrees. So you got here by lying and you're going to get out with honesty. So be honest and know that you can be forgiven. And you've probably already been forgiven. You just haven't accepted it yet. So, as always, thank you for listening to this edition of Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard. I am here to help you get into recovery. If you have questions and you need answers, you can certainly reach out to me through my website, wellspringmindbody.com, and ask questions. If you would like to be on the podcast, please let me know. I'll be more than happy to bring you in to the studio. And I want you to live a clean, safe, sober life. So let's get sane, stable, and sober out there, shall we? And stop with all the craziness. Crazy is bad. It's really bad. Oh, well. So uh, please tune in again for another episode of Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard. And thank you for listening. And I'll catch you on the next podcast. See ya. See ya.